My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Don't have time to work out? Well, that's where our free 10-minute classes come into your life. You can go ahead and sign up over at themerrymakersisters.com forward slash five days and we'll send you five days of 10-minute classes, yoga, Pilates, all of the goodness to make you feel absolutely amazing. Emma, are you excited? Oh, yes. These are my favorite classes. Bring it on. We'll see you super soon on the mat over at themerrymakersisters.com forward slash five days. Welcome to episode 319 on the Get Married podcast. And we're so excited because it's not just us two on the show. We have the amazing Miriam Emad, clinical psychologist, back on the show. Is this your third time on the show or your second time on the show? Is it? I think third. We, oh, we did a master. Yes, yeah, yes. we did a little master. Yes. This is very exciting. Very. Uh, I mean, we always love talking to you over coffee and I feel like every conversation could be recorded. Sometimes I wish I would just would have pressed record like half an hour prior. I'm like, that was really good. <laughs> but there are so many topics we could talk about today. Specifically, though, we want to talk about before and after photos. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess what recently, I mean, obviously we've spoken about this on the podcast before, how we don't market Marybody with before and after photos, and it's a stance that we are really proud of. Uh, and we talk about it often on social media. And recently, recently we shared a post that did get quite a lot of attention uh, and I guess we want to dive a little bit deeper into the reasons why we don't like before and afters and maybe, Miriam, your opinion on the whole before and after pick mm-hmm. thing. The mm-hmm. trend. Mm-hmm. That's been around for a while. Yeah, it really mm-hmm. has. Uh, so where should we get started, Miriam? What do you think? Like, what? Let's just first of all talk about, I guess, the reasons why we're inclined to share this kind of content. Mm. I think that's a really lovely starting point, actually, because we want to acknowledge from the get-go that um, comparison is just a part of the human condition. I mean, um, emotions like jealousy and envy are a very primal part of how we exist in the world. Um, Jealousy is the emotion that tells us that there's something to protect, which Mm. involves us noticing our surroundings, sometimes comparing. Envy is the emotion that says um, that we need to strive to obtain something. Mm. So if there is um, something that we notice that someone else has that we really like, it motivates us to work harder to get it, right? So by nature, we have the part of us that actually wants to create those comparisons. So in a way, it's really healthy to, to have some form of social comparison, especially when it's objective, okay? So what I mean by that are things like um, 
savings. We were just talking about it earlier. So if we need to hit a target saving for a particular reason, that is a really healthy thing to for us to notice. The savings increasing, maybe asking our friends what they've done to save or how much they've saved for a particular thing or whatever, whatever it needs to be, right? So objective comparisons can actually be really helpful. Sometimes subjective comparisons can be helpful too. And what I mean by that is if I have my own personal goal that does not involve anybody else that I'm comparing my past self to my current self to my future self. And that can be really helpful as well because it helps me notice progress. Yeah. Mm, That makes sense. What isn't helpful is often the construct of comparison being based on something like an opinion. Mm. And I think that that's around um, the before and after photos that we were talking about before, right? Mm. Because that's based on an idea, not an objective or subjective perception of what might be helpful in terms of comparisons Mm. Mm. yeah and I I mean let me see if I can understand this right so it's like the idea of okay someone who may be overweight they lose weight Mm -hmm. and they go from type 2 diabetes to no type 2 diabetes that's a great before and after like really positive um Someone who maybe shares a photo of before, a before and after photo, we've not a lot of context around that. It's all aesthetics. Mm -hmm. Maybe uh, their health hasn't even improved. Maybe they've gone negative in some health aspects. That could kind of be um, like mentally health speaking quite Mm -hmm. negative Mm -hmm. and to the people who see it as well because now we're talking about the, the other level. It's not just a personal before and after. It's also a personal before and after shared to hundreds of people on social media, mm-hmm. thousands maybe. Mm-hmm. We absolutely have a social responsibility when mm-hmm. we are sharing things on social media. Um, I think that's a, a lovely way to see it actually, Emma, because when we're looking at things like focusing on metabolic health, so things like blood work, things like functionality of the body, those kind of things are very okay for us to um, think about where we are right now and where we would like to be. Or, uh, you know, if if that's the reason why we might look at taking on healthier habits and so on, that is so wonderful. There is no problem with that whatsoever. Where it starts to get really muddy is when we are looking at changing ourselves for a sense of uniformity, where mm. we're trying to be the same as something that we have been perhaps told um, is is better aesthetically for no other reason um, than just that. And it kind of requires us to change to change ourselves in order to obtain what we believe is um, acceptance in some way, which becomes a very unstable way of obtaining ac- acceptance because our body can change all of the time. Right? Yeah. So if it's based on something external to you and it's not an internal process, then that makes it a really unstable measure of worthiness or acceptance and so on. And it simply is to create a uniform um, sense of belonging. So I will belong if I look like the others. And that's Mm. where it gets muddy. Yeah, because it's a very conditional way of practicing self-acceptance. I'm only going to accept myself when X, Y, Z. Correct. And we call that a when-then trap. Right. So when I look a certain way, then I'll be loved and accepted and whatever whatever the conditions mm. become they become conditions on worthiness and this is just not true like no. when we when we have these thoughts no. you know when i lose weight then that's not true and there there's often so many thens that follow even when that target goal <gasps> wow. um is met 
So true. And I mean, we can both personally, and I know Miriam, you as well can relate to this. And when we shared this piece of content with the before and after, there was a few comments of like, you know, the positive changes that they Mm -hmm. felt Mm -hmm. specifically from losing weight, which definitely can happen. Mm -hmm. Obviously it's a ramification like that can happen. These positive changes in blood work or whatever it might be. But you know, for us personally, when we had our before and after back in 2012, one of them, because usually there's a before and after and then and after and after and after mm-hmm. and then a before and, and, after, a before and after, after again um we actually experienced negative effects from our weight loss like we both lost our periods we both were lethargic i couldn't even walk like 500 meters without needing to sit down mm-hmm. i was really tired skinniest i've ever been though mm-hmm. but it wasn't mm-hmm. it i was not healthy at all mm-hmm. so i wondered if we could like I don't want to take away from people feeling proud of mm-hmm. their achievements. Mm-hmm. Like that's not really ever, of course, not what we're trying to say here. But but how can we feel proud without the, I guess, the attachment to that external mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> external change mm-hmm. that sometimes is the only focus? Mm-hmm. Well, one of the things that I think might be important to ask is if I'm looking at changing something about my body, what is the promise? So what is the promise at the end of it? What am I promised at the end of it as a, um, as a reward, right? So, um, is it that my body functions better? Is it that, um, you know, um, there are a particular, you know, whatever other reasons that you might want to. So for instance, um, some people need to, to, uh, maybe have a baby or something mm. like that, right? It, it, it varies. So what is the promise at the end of it? If the promise at the end of it is something like I'll look like my friends or it's more socially acceptable, then it's coming from a place of misogyny and a place of fat phobia. Yes. And that is really unhelpful because we would be perpetuating something that is inherently a problem in our society as it is. Um, and I wonder, I wonder whether that continues to become a bit of what we were talking about before with that instability of that measuring stick right? Because like we said, bodies change. So an unstable measure would be something that is outside of us, not that's inside of us. Mm. There are so many other things that um, make up a person that isn't just their physical appearance. And you can tell zero, nothing about health by looking at a person. You cannot tell anything about someone's health by looking at them Mm -hmm. without any metabolic data. Yeah. So true. So it's like, instead of having this, um, I guess fat is unhealthy, skinny is healthy, blanket uh, opinion, Mm. it's no, that's definitely not the case. It's digging deeper. It's going to the doctor, getting the blood work. I mean, this is what we've talked about all along. And as we said, like we lost all that weight and we became unhealthier. Our hormones went berserk. Mm -hmm. So we were were the other way around. Maybe we looked healthy uh, to society society standards and beautiful. But it was not the case and we didn't feel any good either. So Mm -hmm. I think it's all an unlearning. I mean, we just were reading a book and it was talking about wouldn't it be great if there was a school for unlearning? Mm -hmm. And I think this is where we do have to do a bit of unlearning and especially like you touched on fat phobia. I have that, had that Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because I was scared of getting fat. Mm -hmm. It's an it's a um, it's a perpetual issue. This is it's uh, really dangerous actually to try and perpetuate those ideas because something that um, is a descriptor word 
has now been used as an insult in some description. Yeah. Culturally, yes. um, it's become we've become more fat phobic more recently than um, the opposite direction, which I think is really sad. It being twenty twenty one, and that is still the mindset. The understanding mm-hmm. of it is, you know, you look a particular way, and um, that makes you somehow higher on some social standing. And if that's actually what we're trying to do is find ourselves somewhere on that social ladder, um, then, I mean, is that is that how we obtain contentment or is that mm. how we feel connected with ourselves if it's constantly just finding where we are, our yes. spot on that social standing? Yeah, and this is where yeah. we always talk about, you know, connecting your health goals because that's where we're talking really, mm. health and which is also a part of your – I guess, physical weight, Mm. link it to other values. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you want to be healthy and that might include losing weight to run around the backyard with your kids. You might want to – What's another one we like? Like feel about? more energized mm-hmm. during your day. Yeah. Feel more focused. Mm-hmm. Be stronger mm-hmm. to move the furniture when you need to move. <laughs> yeah, be able to walk up and down the stairs without uh, puffing. That's it. So all of those things are functionality based, and they, I, I guess, they involve a removal of that um, construct. Right? There's no, uh, there's no impact here in terms of what society thinks is okay and not okay because this is how emotions like shame can really creep in. Um, typically, if we notice that society has a particular perception of what is okay and not okay, we have to believe it for us to feel the emotion of shame, right? And shame is an emotion where we can really spiral in because it makes us want to hide from the world. It makes us want to change who we are in the world to fit with something that is simply a construct. It is an idea. This is something that has been made up. It is um, very heavily based in the patriarchy and the expectations Mm -hmm. of how women should look and should present in the world. It's an idea that the smaller we are, the more controlled we are in the world, that we have our stuff together and, um, you know, that we, we appear to kind of be more successful, this idea of being kind of contained in a smaller body, mm. um, which just, as I'm saying it out loud, just feels awful. Yeah. It feels awful that these are the kind of expectations that still exist in women, but are now kind of packaged differently. It's now packaged in the form of, well, I would like to be healthy. Of course you would like to be healthy. Let's actually focus on that and look at the metabolic data. Let's look at your blood work. Let's look at whether or not you can do a handstand if that's what you want to do. Let's look at how your body functions, whether and now you can do the splits or those kind of things if that's what we're looking for. It is so okay. It, it, trying to lose weight is not inherently in itself a bad thing. Yes. Right? Yeah. The before and after is very rarely about that. It's very rarely about my health has improved. Yes. And usually what happens next is the idea of smaller is better gets perpetuated by the comments. So people will often jump on there and say, you look great. You look so wonderful. You've worked really hard, right? Without having any understanding of the person's background, Mm. the the, uh, complexity of their experience, what they might have been doing to look that way. And that's what continues the cycle. That is why it's dangerous because of how it then gets reinforced, not because of the weight loss itself. Yeah. And like, I mean, that's exactly uh, in the, on the post, like we were trying to explain that, like that we're not anti-weight loss. It's more about like the, how are we going about it? Like, how are we going about the weight loss? Mm -hmm. Like you might want, you might need to lose weight for health reasons. Mm -hmm. Um, And 
it's really the how that we do that is the most important thing. I'm wondering with this before and after, because another big thing I think that is important is uh, this responsibility of sharing. Because I think that keeping it private, I am... I am like, of course, take if you want to see that comparison and you know that you're mentally not going to uh, attack yourself yep. if there wasn't a big if enough like, change. If it feels like an um, inspiration yes, motivator for, for yourself. yourself. Mm. But there is that level of when you share it publicly that you don't now have control over how that picture is interpreted. Yes. Interpreted? Interpreted. Interpreted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh And I think that this is something that we should take responsibility for because I know that others would say, no, it's up to the person looking at it. They should ask themselves why they're being triggered. Like these are things that that were said on this post. Like this is up to the person looking at the photo. I'm like, but you posted. Don't you feel like that there's a level there that we should actually think twice about posting it? So would you agree like that that is like something as this society evolves with social media only getting bigger and bigger and scarier, mm. <laughs> that we need to take that level of responsibility. Mm. Absolutely. So, um, you know, essentially we do want to take responsibility for our feelings, right? So what we feel <laughs> is <laughs> our feeling. We take responsibility for working through that. Ultimately, we also have a social responsibility, like we were saying earlier. So this is why when we go to talk about triggering content, we say, there's a trigger warning, trigger warning. right? Yes. Because we don't want to intentionally go out there and cause harm if we can help it. Uh-huh. So trigger warning, please don't look, right? Or trigger warning, I'm about to talk about this particular topic. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yes. So that is a part of actually existing um, as a unit in this world. We are social creatures. We love connection. We um, we don't live in isolation. So your actions absolutely have an impact on the person receiving this information Mm. and typically like we were saying when it is a before and after the person who is about to get triggered is not seeing the health benefits of the change they are um kind of creating what we call a a upward comparison where they go this person is 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 better than me and and you know now i have to be like them and i'm not working hard enough Uh without taking into consideration any of the context what difficulties they might be having in changing their world or changing their body or whatever it is that they're doing at the time right so things have to we have to really be mindful of what we're sharing out there Mm. because we do have a social responsibility to care for our fellow human beings it's um, not appropriate Yeah, yeah and with the before and after like it's implied, it's encouraging the comparison because you've put one image side by side next to the other without even reading the post. I know that when I look at that, I should compare. Okay, here Instant we go. Comparison. This is my brain says it's time to compare. And usually I say good, bad. Yes. Better, worse. Yes. So it, I'm like this one yes. or this one. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and it creates exactly right. Yeah. So it creates a binary and binaries are very rarely uh, actually helpful. Um, and it, I guess the, the bit to be really mindful of here as well is that it's not the fault of the before and after photo. We live in a society that has perpetuated these body ideals mm-hmm. that are really dangerous, yes. right? So if we didn't exist in that society and we posted a before and after, it wouldn't mm. be this much of, it wouldn't be an issue, right? True. But we do exist in a society that perpetuates those ideals. We do live in a society that is fat phobic 
at, at times. We do live in a society where we're trying to understand what is misogyny, what is the patriarchy, and what is a, the, uh, you know, uh, our actual role in the world and how we want to carry ourselves. Mm. And because those ideas exist so readily, it is really hard to not have those um, implied in mm. a photo like that, right? Mm-hmm. So it, it's not the fault of the image. The perpetuating cycle of these body ideals and all of the shame that comes with that is the issue and therefore it is transferred onto sharing um, an idea like that. One mm. is good, one is bad. This makes so much yeah. sense. Does that? Yeah, yeah. makes a lot sense. of sense. Yeah. And a lot of people also, uh, I've seen it a lot popping up in this yeah. kind of field on social media and on the post too, talking about how maybe we just don't comment on physical appearance. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that's all well and good, but the world mm. historically, you know, it, it's all, it is a lot about appearance as well. So I think that's also uh, like impossible almost because I think that is a natural thing. And it can also be a beautiful thing to comment on someone's appearance. You look beautiful, mm-hmm. but it is when it's like, you look beautiful, obviously, because you've lost 20 kilos. You look beautiful now. Now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because then it's like, well, mm-hmm. what did I look like before? Uh, so what like, what do you think about that, like commenting on appearances in uh, 2020? Yeah. <laughs> I, I would, 2022. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> How far away? Oh, my goodness. Ah. Less than 30 days. Um, <laughs> yes, I, I think that commenting on physical appearance in that way is really problematic too, right? Mm. Because typically – we are saying i think some people also say things like you've lost a lot of weight you look great so sometimes yeah. they actually follow one follows the other straight away and it is i think um, always i always yeah. hear that <laughs> that's right have you lost weight yes. wow yes. and usually i've just actually changed my hair <laughs> like it's not it, it's it's not even that but that is usually wow. where we go first right because of that that inherent issue that we were talking about before, that it is so pervasive. Um, and, and that I, I want to make it really clear that that is the problem. The fact that it's that pervasive is the problem. Mm. Um, so it is so lovely for us to even just change the way that we see the people in our world and, and try and notice more to them than just yes. what we physically see. Uh-huh. I mean, usually when I say to someone they look beautiful, it's because they look really radiant. Or, yeah. um, it's deeper than a, that's just right. that top yeah. layer. That's yeah. right. Yeah. And, and there are things that we can say. We can say you look radiant or, yeah. um, you know, you, uh, I don't know, you, you're glowing. Or there are so many other ways that yeah. we can comment on someone's appearance and someone's yeah. beauty that doesn't involve size. Yes. That's the, that's the thing that becomes obsessive. This idea of size being the be all and end all of beauty, acceptance, um, health, which is so incorrect. Yes, because health can be at every size. Absolutely, there are there are people that train religiously and could outrun anybody <laughs> that do not look like what we would expect yes. them to look because of the pervasive issue in society. Yes. Why do we expect? That people need to look a certain way. What? That's why. Like, yeah. That we. How, that's made up. It's, it's BS. Marketing. It's, it's marketing. It's, it is. <laughs> it's, it's the world. <laughs> it's an idea. It yes. is not a fact that health can be seen. It is yeah. just not a fact. Well, I mean, and you, you look at other cultures as well, and it's not the same, is it? Like, I know, like, I haven't done a lot of research, but I think India is a culture where they celebrate bigger, voluptuous, yep. like. I mean, maybe it's a beauty ideal there too. So it's like if Correct. you're not if you're not big, then Correct. you're bad. So Correct. it's like there's another mess, but it just Correct. shows like 
the differences. And I mean, you look back historically as well, it proves again and again that these beauty ideals are not, um, they're just ideas. They're not forever. They're not innate because back in the day, the renaissance women were curvy and like full and like that's what like the paintings you see that and nowadays it's all like athletic abs and Mm, like booties yeah booties yeah and go to the 1990s and it was if you can look like Mm. you're on a like hang from a coat hanger that's the goal right the waif look yeah yeah, like that you're full your clothes just like fall off you and you this is what you should look like and now and now it'll be different in five years time as well. Well, it's like eyebrows even. Mm. Now apparently skinny eyebrows are back, mm. guys. Yeah, I read an, I read an article. Oh I yeah. read an article. <laughs> that's, a, a, that's such a valid point because I guess um, it, it is so culturally changing mm. as well and, and I think that is what I was referring to as well when we were saying that it's not a stable measure. Mm. So a stable measure would be um, finding a way of kind of landing into our bodies as our home. It is um, somewhere that we want to make safe and predictable, that we want to know that we can wake up and it will, um, you know, move with us and it will get me to the b- bathroom to brush my teeth and you, our body needs to be our home. Mm. And that is is a stable measure of where I'm at, not the forever culturally changing, um, very unstable, I guess, uh, like you were saying as well, Emma, but these expectations of what I should look like based on the trend at that particular point in time. Yeah. Um, and it's so much more layered than that too because I, I know I've probably used the word misogyny a lot um, in Keep the podcast today, but it is it is misogynistic at its core because there has always been this expectation that women could um, maintain a smaller frame, take up less space, but also still hold the weight of the household, right? The universe. Um, and the universe <laughs> and the expectations of, you know, uh, looking a particular way, looking prim and proper and preened at all times, but also being able to do the chores and look after the children. And it's misogynistic at its core. And if we continue to perpetuate these body ideals, we're perpetuating misogyny and we're p- perpetuating problematic things within the patriarchy, um, which is just yeah, really unhelpful and um, very related to what we were saying with the before and after. We're saying yeah. this is bad and this is good and therefore those ideas continue to live on. Mm. Yeah. My, all these great uh, little one-liners, oh, I think. And just amazing to gain more knowledge of like how the human, like how our minds work when we mm. see these kinds of images. And I feel really grateful that – Miriam, you're able to explain, you know, our stance and like why we are so against them. Mm-hmm. Because, I, you know, when we posted this, we had lots of comments for and against, which I love opinions. Throw them at me. I was very overwhelmed with a lot of comments. <laughs> Thank you for that. Yes. Uh, yeah. But, you know, some were saying they're so inspiring. Like I get inspired by them and blah, 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 blah. And my point and our point was, yes, you were inspired, but not everyone was inspired. Mm-hmm. And there was that, you know, there is that, uh, again, coming back to the responsibility, like that we 
can't assume that everyone will feel inspired. Mm -hmm. You might feel inspired, but someone else might be triggered Mm -hmm. to like fall back into their eating disorder Mm -hmm. or to um, Mm -hmm. think that they're disgusting because Mm -hmm. they have a fat roll on their stomach, Mm -hmm. uh, things like this. So I think that's, you know, why we are so strong on it because it's like, you know what, we could inspire 20% of people Mm -hmm. if we decided to share them, which we never would. But we also could trigger 80% of people. Mm -hmm. And, like, that's important to take that into account. Of course. And I think we would never share them anymore because, as we mentioned before, we've had that many before and afters. Mm -hmm. Like, like if I get thin, I'm probably going to get bigger. Like, Mm -hmm. I'll be honest with myself. Like, Mm -hmm. life happens. Like, life is not this one constant thing. There's seasons. What if you go on holiday for six months Lucky you, traveling, mm-hmm. eating. Yeah, you're probably going to put on a bit of weight, mm-hmm. but you're having the best time of your life. Mm-hmm. And then you look at your before and after. Oh, God, I'm even bigger than my my last before. Oh, mm-hmm. no, I'm terrible. So I know, like, even within myself, they don't make me feel yeah. good. Like, even if I'm at that after point, like, I know reality. Yeah. And sometimes with this, like, comment of, like, it's inspiring, it's hopeful. I want to, like, I, I want to, this is what I want to say back to them. Is it? Yeah, because the question is, I love that you said that, because the question is, inspiring what? Yes. Yes. What am I inspired to do? And it comes back to that idea of what is the promise here? Is the promise, the end of it is acceptance and, you know, you know, having a, a relationship because now somehow mm. you've, you fit into the idea that you are more worthy of it because of your appearance. What is the promise? What is that actually inspiring? And if, if what it's inspiring is a sense of, oh, I want to get my body, um, well and functioning. I want to be able to connect with my values through it. Maybe I really, maybe I, maybe I love rock climbing mm. and that is something that I would really like my body to be able to do better in the future, right? If, if that's what it's inspiring, that is so wonderful. I also uh, can imagine that you would get that inspiration by joining a group or by talking with your family and friends and loved ones about it. They can inspire you. They can um, uh, encourage you. You can show them all of the photos if that is what, uh, what you're into. But what is that image actually inspiring? Is it selling us this continued idea that, oh my goodness, someone who could look like that can now look like that. What is this binary Mm. again that we're stuck in that one is bad and one is good? Who made those ideas? Why do we believe those to still be the factual truth when they are simply opinions and ideas? Again, it comes back to this idea of inspiration, inspiration, uh, quote unquote, perpetuating a very problematic cycle of body ideals because what is it actually inspiring? So Mm. ask yourself that question. If you feel inspired, what are you inspired to do? Change Mm. to look better for the world that we we need to address that. We need to check in. I love this so much. And, you know, you put it so simply and so easy to understand. And the thing that I was getting really, I guess, struggling with was that I was saying the same thing over and over again like that's what I felt like I was going like but what about this and what about this what like and so I really just feel grateful that Miriam was able to just be like and this is why (laughs) so it just makes a lot of sense yeah and I'm even I'm inspired even more like to be excited by this uh hope for change that you know it can 
you know, it's us, and I know that other people do it, don't do it as well, which, yeah. and they have a stance, you know, this is their stance on their belief, and they're trying to help change it as well, which I get really excited about. Yeah. And you've just inspired me even more, Miriam, by these uh, descriptions and this knowledge and this understanding of the world and the society. Like, I feel really pumped about it. <laughs> well, I think, you know, it comes back to that idea and goal for me and what we're doing to promote self-acceptance. And now. Yes, now, wherever you're mm-hmm. at. And I think self-acceptance mm-hmm. is such a beautiful practice because not only does it help you accept yourself, but it helps you accept those around you in all the, the difference, the magic, the uniqueness. And I believe this makes society better. I don't know if better is the right word or more kind, more ca- compassionate, more friendly, more mm-hmm. loving. And I think this is a great thing. For the world. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, we, we can never change something that we don't accept exists in the first place, right? Mm. So it, it change in, in, in its nature, uh, improvement in its nature is not a bad thing at all. It, but we actually have to land in acceptance first to go, why would that actually be something that I would look at changing? Mm. Or where where is this actually uh, – if I accept myself in just in this moment with all of the things, right – and I'm looking for something to be different, can I assess where that is actually coming from? Is it coming from the part of me that has self-care, the part of me that connects enough with who I am in the world rather than what I do, what I look like, how I'm seen? Because that's the bit that gets missed. We confuse our actions, we confuse how we're perceived with who we are, Mm -hmm. and they are actually very separate. Those qualities of who we are will not ever change based on our appearance, will not change based on our job. They just won't. They're the core of who we are and that is actually where we need to land. Mm. Um, and that's the bit that, that gets missed a lot yeah. in those comparisons. Wow. Um, and then well. that will ripple on to make changes everywhere. That's that's yeah. right. That's right. Yeah. Mm. Oh, my. Well, I loved this chat. This was amazing. You were so amazing, Miriam. So Thank you have you guys back. Yeah, seriously. I feel like a new – well, we were talking about doing a season. I'm thinking Mary and Miriam. Oh, <laughs> Mary's and, Miriam and Mary's uh, <laughs> for, for, for a season on the Get Mary podcast because we have so many other topics that literally every time I'm like, we should talk to Miriam about this. Miriam would know what to say uh, because this chat was amazing and thank you so much for being on the show. Miriam, where should people go if they want to find more info about you? Oh, that's a um, that's kind of fun. Um, so I've got a I've got a website up yeah. and running now. Um, so the website is miriampsychology.com.au. You can just have a little look and um, yeah, there's some info on there and um, yeah, hopefully. Uh, we can connect again and talk about all things yes. psychology. Perfect. Oh, I'm so excited. We'll pop the link to Miriam's website in the show notes. So go ahead and check it out. Uh, we're really excited to bring you back on the show, Miriam, for 2022. Whatever you want to uh, talk about. Yeah, we'll talk, talk about. about uh, because, <laughs> yeah, you just have a wealth of knowledge and you make it so simple and easy to understand. And I feel like that's really rare in this world. So yeah, thank you so much. Thank you both so much for having me. It was a pleasure. We love you. Thank you.
My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone.